Hi everyone, welcome to episode 44 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. If this is your first time listening to the Inside View podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast. It means huge amount to us. That one extra recommendation, that one extra download, um, we'd be forever grateful. Um, it, it all makes a difference. Big shout out to our sponsors, GOG Sports and Vintry Harbour Asset Management for the continued support. We really appreciate it, guys. Uh, without you, it wouldn't be possible, and we're, for, we're forever grateful. It is now time to bring on this week's guest, and I'm delighted to be joined by former Shamrock Rover star Greg Bulger. To date, the Wexford man's career has been incredibly successful, winning Cup and League honours with Shamrock Rovers, St. Patrick's Athletics, and Cork City. Bulger has recently joined Sligo Rovers for the forthcoming season. He is linked up with former boss Liam Buckley, who he had an incredible successful period under at St. Patrick's Athletic between 2013 and 2015. Greg is one of League of Ireland's top players and will no doubt be a major addition to Buckley's ambition of bringing success to the showgrounds. We definitely have a huge amount to cover, so I'm looking forward to bringing him on. So hi Greg, welcome to an Inside View podcast. How has the past number of months been for you? How are you, Jamie? How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, obviously, last few months, it, it's been been a mixed, bit of a mixed bag, you know, ups and downs. Obviously, um, obviously breaking my leg in a, in the season was was, ha- was hard to take. Then on the back of the, the back of it, getting back on the pitch and being able to play in a, in a cup final and obviously getting a hands-on a trophy. So it's uh, been a big mixed bag, but um, look, a lot, a, lot, a lot of people in worse positions. So, um, but it's, it's, it's been good, yeah, it's been good overall. Yeah, you know, it's definitely it must have been a difficult, you know, a difficult couple of months because um, you probably didn't have a clear pattern. Did you know you'd be back by the end of the season, or did you kind of just write the whole season off? Um, no, obviously, look, obviously the season season started, then the lockdown came. I think after five games, and uh, played the last, I think three or four of the games just before the first lockdown or second lockdown, I think it was. But um, then obviously getting back, getting back fit. And uh, ready to go then when, when the league resumed. Um, obviously, that was a hard period for all of us because we weren't sure when it was going to come back and stuff like that. But um, And then literally just a week before we came back and resumed the league, it was winning Spectre Dukes, yeah. Broke my leg, kind of landed awkwardly on it. So it was literally the week before it resumed. So it was, um, it was a hard one to take. But, um, obviously, felt then like whatever whatever was the problem was with it and what what was going to take to get back and we didn't really put a time frame on it and the main thing is we see how it healed and see how it went and then um yeah we kind of like i said we didn't put a time frame on it we just want to see how it went and we were only going to say we want to be back for this day because obviously because i broke my leg broke my fib and it was so low down in my ankle that it could affect my ankle joint so we kind of the heat the, the break was fine the that that healed up but obviously a bit of mobility in my ankle and stuff I would have had to work on and strengthen to get back just in case it wouldn't give me trouble going forward you know so there was no really time frame we just took it took it as we went you know and, and we see how we responded and to be fair I think it was only four and a half nearly five months I got back from it which was which is probably good timing which is I know other people have done the injury and it was a bit longer and stuff so I was kind of happy that way and um but obviously it was a lot, a lot of lonely times doing a lot of rehab on your own and stuff like that. But um, so it the bone about five months getting back and I was just obviously happy and delighted to get back on the pitch because you just with them injuries, obviously it's going to be things in your head thinking, will I get back? Will I, will I, won't I, you know? 
but um, just to get back out onto the pitch was was great. Just on that point there, you said there's a lot of you know a lot of the, all the rehab effectively was probably on your own, the, in, especially in the early days. Um, how you know I always find interesting asking athletes how do they find it. Obviously, it's not enjoyable, but how do you kind of come to terms with it? I suppose you have to kind of come, come to terms with it in a way. But you know, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you deal with the with that period? Was that? Yeah, no, look, I've I've been lucky enough through my career to not to have bad injuries. Um, obviously, you'd have a few niggles here and there, and they'll twist an ankle or something like that along the line, but I've never had really a bad, bad injury or long-term injury, so I've been lucky that way. Touch wood, it doesn't happen again now. But, um, so I was kind of just in the mind frame of, look, this is what it is, and this is what you're facing, and look, it's probably going to be a long road, but um, it was I just kind of put it down. I like to think I'm, I'm mentally strong in a way. I'm just like, right, I want to get back. Um, obviously, you have the doubts certain days and stuff like that. But um, just do the rehab, do what you're being told to do. Obviously, you had good, I was in good hands at Rovers with um, with uh, Dr. Alan Byrne and, and Tony McCarthy, the physio. So I was, I was well looked after that way. Anything I wanted or needed that would have helped and stuff. So um, it was just a case of just getting my head around it. And just like, right, this is what I have to do and be back. It's going to be long. Obviously, there was days they are thinking, Jesus, will I ever get back and stuff? But it was kind of like, I was like, right, this is a challenge. I won at, really didn't have, have faced before because obviously I, I looked at it, like I said, I didn't have many um, many injuries. So it was probably just, I looked at it as a new challenge and right, let's go, hit, hit head on and and uh, please God, we, I get back onto the pitch. And um, lucky enough, like I said, obviously there were some dark days, don't get me wrong, where I was thinking, Jesus, I'm never going to get back here, am I, or whatever. And But then as you go along, you see the progression and there could be like a few weeks there, where you see it, see a difference doing um, like your runs and stuff, and they're improving, and you get a little boost off that, and obviously your confidence comes back and stuff. And uh, doing run, like doing certain runs, certain drills that obviously was so easy to do before, but they were probably the easy things were the hard things at that time. But doing getting that and just seeing the improvements go along, go go um, carrying on was uh, was was one that really like you know hit me in the head, and I was like, right, Jesus, I'm. It's, it's improving and getting back and going to be back and obviously you had the doctor Alan Byrne and Tony saying you'd be fine it's going to be grand and the bone is healed just need to build up the strength in your uh, your ankle and your mobility and stuff like that you need to stay on top of that which is crucial because they are saying that might give you trouble down the line but um, but long that came back everything's come back and I'm, I'm kind of still in the stage now because obviously I was when I got back it was a semi-final of the cup then the cup final didn't train that much with the team Um that period so it was a case where now I'm still doing exercises to, to build on it and um, so far so good and it's going well and obviously getting over that line and getting back out onto the pitch that semi-final was a great relief and made made it made me think everything was worthwhile you know especially as in the Viva I know it called beat there wasn't any uh, any supporters and on that point how did you you know how did you find that you know playing you know in you know, with no supporters compared to last year against Dundalk, you know, it was, it was quite an exciting, exciting game to say the least. Yeah, no, it was. It's totally different. I find, like, football without fans, it's just not the same. And um, I just think when there's fans in the ground either abusing you <laughs> or cheering you on, you, you like, you'll, you'll run that extra yard, you'll run harder. Like, look at an example there, it was mad on the European games this year. Obviously, I didn't play that many games myself, but uh, behind closed doors because of the injury. But, like, just looking at the lads going to the pitch, like, for example, the AC Milan game there in, in Tala, like, 
it's probably one of the biggest games for a long time to, one of the teams to come to Tala and it just was so weird with no fans there you know fans should have been at that game would have been a full house and uh, just going out even the European t- game before that before we played AC Milan it's just like this feels so weird I'm in the stand obviously looking at it and it's just it's like this feels so weird like this is probably like such a big game for the club financially for the players financially as well and just to uh, for the experience of it all and it just seems like a friendly it's weird you know and there's so much at stake but um, yeah it was a weird weird weird, weird. obviously I've watched a lot of games um, during the year because of the injury so it was just like you could hear a pin drop at times and you, obviously you hear all the voices all the players voices and shouting out instructions and come from the sideline that you probably wouldn't hear during games because obviously when it's especially if you're playing the Viva or a full house in Tala sometimes you don't have time to think you're just going off off instinct, you know, but you could hear everyone's voice, you can hear everything, the moans and groans from the players. It's it was mad, it's a mad experience. But like I said, I just think with fans in the ground, you just you run that extra bit of like you run harder. You'll if there's a run to be made, you'll get there with fans pushing you on, the atmosphere that comes with it, coming out at the start of games, all that, like you know, is is it gives that player that that extra boost that he needs to go out to the pitch and extra motivation. So, um, yeah, it's just weird. And hopefully, please God, now in the next while that we can start getting fans back into the game, into the stadiums, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it definitely, you know, it definitely gives players that extra that extra boost. And like you said earlier on, whether they're abusing you or, or cheering you on, you know, there's... there's I'm, I'm usually getting abused. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on that AC Milan game, out of curiosity, like, what was the build-up like around it? Was it kind of... Did it feel, you know, and obviously not disrespecting the, you know, the uh, importance of it, the game and all that, but just, I suppose it's hard not for it to feel like a friendly when the fans weren't around and when probably all the TV cameras and, you know, the media coverage that should be there probably yeah. wasn't there. Um, You know, from the outside, well, you're still inside, but you say you probably got a good chance to look at everything, you know, and the build up to it. Um. What was your overview of the build-up to it? What was it like, you know, compared to other European games previously? Yeah, no, look, obviously when the draw came out, like, like it's mad. Some of the lads in this restroom want, like, we had a possibility, you know, we were putting certain pots. And obviously in the pot we were in, we had a possibility of playing AC Milan. And um, some of us were like, ah, okay, AC Milan. And me and then other lads were kind of like, I was like, no, like, we want to get a team that will have a better chance of getting through, you know, because um, obviously financially and then obviously another better chance of getting into another round and um, obviously playing a lesser team. So it was kind of mixed emotions in the draw, in the pot. And obviously I think for the fans, if they were in the ground, they would have um, they would have liked to obviously have that experience to say, like, look at their team playing against AC Milan. So it's a bit of, a bit of both. But the build-up was, for us, it was just like, right, Obviously, we know who we're playing against. We probably know the team from just watching them on the telly. Um, it's mad doing the player, like, you know, the individual player analysis and you're getting out. Usually when you're playing a team from a from different country, you might know the team as much. And they're trying to look for our weaknesses and, like, the manager's handing out, Stephen Gaffer's handing out uh, different things on players and we're lo- looking for weaknesses. And I goes, do they have any, you know? Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's mad. And, and But the build-up was, no, like, our think, thinking on, on it was, Right, when we don't have the ball, what way are we want to set up? But when we have a player normal game, you know, that was the kind of our thinking of it. And um, yeah, we need to give them respect and they're going to hurt you in certain areas. But um, 
our whole thing was right. We might have to tweak a few things when we don't have the ball, but when we had the ball, um, that work we hurt them and stuff like that, and play our normal game and be brave and get on the ball. And uh, I think, look, I know it was two 0 Slatan scored early. Was mad he was saying that, but uh, he scored early and uh, he scored early enough. I think in the first half, so. Obviously, it was going to be very tough from there, but I thought we thought the lads gave a great account of ourselves, you know. And um, it was obviously a game that was going to live long and players, because there's not many times you get a chance to play play against such a big club and big players. So, obviously, it's nice that way. But uh, another side of the things, I think I was being greedy as well, because obviously I wasn't involved in that game because I was injured, but I wanted to get through another round, you know. Obviously, Financially, let's be honest, and the chance of progressing and getting into the Europa League, you know, and playing the teams then, you know. But um yeah, no, but looking from looking looking at it, it was, should have probably been more of a build up because it's such a big team coming to coming to Dublin, coming to Ireland. But um but obviously then with no fans in the ground as well, it's obviously hard to get that buzz going, you know. But um yeah, obviously it was a great experience for the lads on the pitch and have them over and they were great like even the players on the pitch and after the after the game there was obviously a few lads outside outside the ground trying to get um pictures with them and and their autographs and all and they were uh, they were really good that way and even the their staff all that they were they were very like asking if we want jerseys stuff like that they were a real class bunch you know that's that's great to hear now that's uh yeah, it's actually funny the way you, you said about the uh, analysis. You know, usually probably using AC, AC Milan on uh, on FIFA or something like that, and you're playing against them. Yeah. <laughs> um, just I suppose it's probably you know it's a topic of conversation at the moment, and it, it is always a topic of conversation, really. Um, which was over the last couple of days, it kind of come to the came to the forefront front again. Um, abuse. Do you ever receive? I know you said you know on the pitch and all that, but that's probably part and parcel of being a professional athlete. Um, uh, but do, do you ever experience abuse online or in, in getting e- emails or yeah. messages or something like that? Nah, wait, yeah, no, but look, I don't like, I think, I think it's, it's a touchy subject, obviously, obviously over the last, last few weeks and stuff, it's, it's it's and it's probably coming more common in football, but um, I think you're better off, especially if I'm if I'm giving any young fella any advice or anything like that. I stay off it. Don't read into it. Do you know what I mean? Don't buy into it. It's not personal. These are people that are probably sitting at home looking at the game, never kicked the ball in their lives. You just don't know who's behind who's behind the profile that's giving you the abuse. So I just you kind of have to have a thick skin in a way. And um, I always had it. I I take it with a pinch of salt. I think uh, looking at obviously so my advice to any young lads around coming up because it's it's everywhere social media is everywhere now and you can see it even in dressing rooms where lads are coming in after games and they're on their phones and they're seeing a lot of people saying about me and stuff like that and um, good or bad but it can't damage it it can damage it because you're you could, you could could be that person that overthinks it and why are they abusing me and stuff but um I think I just think that's the kind of generation that's the way it's going now and stuff um. But I'm just on about kind of more so of having a good game or having a bad game. The racial and ethnic and all that now, I'm not really, like, I haven't, I wouldn't be touching on that because, like, I've never probably experienced that, you know. Um, but in terms of your, who, if you're having a bad game or a good game and you're getting abused from fans and stuff, it's, um, I just said, like, stay off social media. Don't look at it too too much. Like I said, it could be any Joe Soap that's behind it. 
you just don't know, you know. And uh, I think the only criticism you should be worrying about is that's constructive is from your manager and your team teammates and stuff like that, you know, if you're a young lad coming up and not to worry about that and your family. So, um, but yeah, but talking about abuse on the pitch, probably from home fans or our away fans. Yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely got a few over the years and it's it's great because I think if, if, they're, if they're abusing you, you must be doing something right, you know what I mean? Um, you must be okay. <laughs> but um, I love it, it motivates me. And uh, I know other people are different and stuff, but I think that's the way fans are giving me abuse is like, right, I'll show them. It kind of drives me on, motivates me, motivates me you know, and uh, I never, don't think I'd ever go into a shell in that way. But uh, yeah, so I love it. Say if you ever did down the line go coaching um, a soccer team, you know, a football team, you know, with say underage, would you, would you probably encourage guys to kind of... Um, like, how would you instill confidence in the team by staying off social media? Would you encourage them to to have switch off hours or, you know, non-technology hours or something like that? I know yeah. I'm trying to push you on the spot now. But... No, yeah, no. Like, it's... They're never going to be able to tell, the, like, the young lads to stay off social media because it's just everywhere now, like, Twitter or Instagram. And uh, it's clearly, like, a way of life now. It's part of life. So, uh, you, uh, you probably couldn't tell them to stay off it. But I'll probably be telling them, uh, sorry, I'll probably be telling them just to take it with a pinch of salt. Like, don't, you know, everything you read, like, it's not, it's not, it's not the truth. It's whatever, you know, you need to look at it both ways. Don't take everything personal. And uh, it's not a personal attack. It's probably just someone's opinion. And, like, you should be, like I said, all you should be worried about is what your manager wants, what he wants, what his opinion is. And, like I said, your family and your teammates and, that's what's most important, not what some fella is doing or saying behind a computer screen, you know. And just to take it, look at it both from both ways, not to, it's not, not take it personally, you know. One thing that, uh, there, well, a few things stood out when I was looking into your um, your background, but one thing that I was dying to, to ask you was, uh, as a nine-year-old, you were ranked uh, sixth in Ireland for soccer skills. How did, how was that? calculated or is this true or do I want to shed some lightness where where have you pulled that out <laughs> um, yeah no that was for the schools that was CBS schools I think it was, or the CBS yeah it was CBS New Ross but it was obviously the schools it was the Snickers or something or Mars I'm not sure I can't remember Jesus that was a year light years away <laughs> or go but um, yeah no you would have went through a few rounds and done it in the school and the manager would put your fruit uh, through so obviously you threw a county then and then you go up and then it was like final 50 or something like that. And I wouldn't mind, it would have been never very skillful, but I think it was just, there was a few drills that suited me at the time, maybe passing and stuff like that. But um, as an experience, it was probably, probably one that I've actually totally forgot about till you mentioned it there. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got a few free Snickers of it. So uh, it was grand, yeah. But um, Jesus, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to pull that one out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, look, it was, it was a good experience. I suppose back then, I, I probably can't even remember half the drills that we did. But, um, yeah, that's mad to say that because I actually totally forgot about that. <laughs> but um, sixth in Ireland, yeah. At, I think it was under nine, wasn't it? Under Obviously nine, it was yeah. different grades and stuff. But yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we, I suppose we even bring it back a bit, bit, uh, bit earlier than that. When did you decide that, look... Um, Football actually, first of all, do you like did you always play football as a young child or did you play combination sports? Yeah, no, I, w- I would have like I think um, 
obviously with my two brothers, they were into football, a kind of football family and stuff, and they were good at their sports. And kind of my two brothers always had me out, out kicking the ball with me from an early age, probably kicking the legs off me, me balling my eyes out, getting back up and have to go again and stuff like that. But as I got a bit older then, whatever, around 10, 11 and stuff, going out, I would have always had a football with me, either on the streets, you know, I was in a, from a small town near Ross and I think everywhere we went, we, I always had a football with me, regardless of what we was doing, maybe a bit of development or whatever, but um, just being around the street, always having the football with me, you know, um, like I'd, whatever we'd be doing, I'd always, always had the football with me and me shoot me mates for the same, so probably started probably there on the streets, you know, and then um, obviously joining the local club, New Ross Celtic and, and, and going on from there and, being involved in the team environment, team environment and stuff, but um, yeah, I always, I always kind of obviously probably most kids, kids' dream is to be a fo- be a footballer, you know. But um, from an early age, yeah, I always, I loved it and probably had a passion for it and wanted to see if I could get as far as I could with it. And I always kind of, as, as like I said, as I got a bit older, then probably taking a bit more serious. But um, it was always, always a dream to play football. I think it is every kid's dream, maybe you know. So it was one of them where. Yeah, I wanted to be a footballer from an early age. Yeah, and like, did you always just play football, or did you play? Like, did you play Gaelic football? Did you play basketball, rugby, and things? Or did you always um, just play one sport? Yeah, no, I played. I played Gaelic football as well. I was handy enough at the Gaelic football. I would have played for Good Council College in New Ross, who would have been in the like the length or the the A colleges like football. So it would have been very good level. Like, you know, we I think we won a few Lancer medals. Um, with the school would have went got I think all Ireland semi finals at A level like in college football so it was a good good level I think I captain the team one of the year I think it was on the the junior team one of the under sixteens and senior would have played a bit of hurling as well wasn't very good at that but just sporting environment small played a small bit of rugby in the school as well just probably to get off class and <laughs> but uh, yeah but no but it would be handy enough for the football now I play represented. Wexford as well, Wexford Miners, I think I was with the football. They're always always on to me to come down. One of the managers was actually the manager in the school that was involved in the Wexford team. He always was on to me, but I think football was always my first passion. Soccer, sorry, should I say whatever? But um, yeah, so I would have played. I would have been active in all the sports, but after a while, I kind of had to choose one. You know, I um, I had I've had a few good few athletes that you all sorry all athletes and business people on the podcast since I started out. But um, the general trend is that, you know, a lot of them would say who have played different sports that, you know, they could take bits from, you know, their childhood when they were playing different sports, whether basketball or, or Gaelic football, yeah. and it all benefits them. Um, would you be in the same uh, opinion of that, like that, you know, playing every sport you can as a young child benefited you, probably your movement yeah, body in different ways? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, every sport asks different questions of your body and what way to move. And well, I always said I, I I played football in the college and it's probably a manager I had there, a coach I had there, a manager of the football team, Aidan O'Brien. I think he would have been involved in the Wexford, Wexford uh, senior team a few years back. But I think he probably would have had the biggest influence on me in my career going forward and he was a Gaelic football manager, you know what I mean? Just being disciplined and where to be and just how to approach how to approach a game and stuff like that. So I think one of my big influences would have been him, you know. And he was a, he was my Gaelic football manager, and now I'm playing soccer like for a living, you know. So it's it's mad, and I, I definitely recommend it for the young people to be young, the kids going up to play all sports, whatever that whatever it might be, because obviously they give give it like like I said, ask different questions of your body and your movement and 
like obviously in hurling you probably your your hands and Gaelic football your hands and then obviously soccer with your feet and stuff so I definitely recommend and I definitely think it helped and it helped me going forward you know and how did the trials for uh, Nottingham Forest come around at 17 was that on off the back of the Kindy Cup or no I would have been I would have I would have went to Cherry Arthur when I was 17 I think I was 16 17 and uh, I got picked for an Irish schools team and obviously the whole team was basically Dublin lads and and me. Sorry, it was the Leinster schools team. And uh, basically the whole team was all full of players that I went to school in, in Dublin and then all had clubs like St. Joseph's, Cherry Orchard, Home Farm. And then it was just myself from New Ross Celtic happened to make the team. Um, and then one of the managers there and a few other players were on to me and were like, oh, who do you play for? Blah, blah, blah. And um, just kind of went from there. And then the manager... John Wilkes, God rest his soul, I think he only passed there about a month ago. Um, basically got me in the back of a taxi, asked me what I signed for Terry Orson. He was the manager at the time and I probably had a week to think about it and I said, geez, I'll give it a go, you know. I think um, at the time, Dublin was a place to be, um, to progress, you know, and that kind of way. I was obviously playing with Wexford at the time at New York Celtic and Wexford Youths. So I just said, look, I'll go up and give it a go for a year and see how it goes. And um we the club obviously had links with loads of clubs over in England and stuff like that. But we went over for a week. I think we played, I think we played a Leicester team and uh, Le- uh, Leicester and Nottingham Forest. And I don't think I, I think I played only a half in the Leicester game, and then I played a full game against the Nottingham Forest. Would have would have been youths or whatever. And probably did really well. And I think one of the managers, our football director, liked what he saw. And was over there and was supposed to go over, and I was talking, went back over, and then um, did well, did well. And then um, this, the director of football wanted to sign me, I think. Um, but in the week, the week, the week or two after I was over, the the club changed manager. I think it was Gary Megson was the manager. I'm not sure who the manager was. I think he got sacked and a new manager came in. And he basically wanted his type of players in or his way of whatever, whatever type of player he wanted. So it kind of fell through. So it didn't really happen then. And that was, that was the end of that, really. Um, and then you, yeah. So you in I think two thousand five was you. You were with Cherry Orchard, and two thousand sixteen you went to UCD. Um, just out of curiosity, obviously people who are in the football circles would be aware of the structure. But for people who won't be aware of the structure uh, with UCD, is it only students can who can play with the team, or is there a proportion of outside outside players as well? I think it's different now. I think it's different now. I think. Um... When I was when I went for the when I went to UCD it was different. I did because I wasn't in the college. I like usually what they do is they hold trials and um they hold trials and it could be over two or three weeks and they keep narrowing narrowing it down to a certain whatever. Once they get twenty two players in, then obviously they'll have games, different days, lots of loads of players coming from everywhere, you know. Obviously with the with the education and the football it was obviously a big appeal to, to people, you know, and players. So um Went through all the trials and um, got picked. I think, obviously, to try out so many scholarships every year. I think there were seven of us picked that year. And I think there were four of us, four of us did a scholarship and another three didn't do the scholarship. I don't think we had enough points for a certain course that they wanted us to do. And uh, Pete Mann was the manager at the time. He was the first team manager. And he was like, look, don't worry about that. We'll get you to do a PLC course and uh, get, like, get it on to your leaving source so you can get enough points. So um, we literally 
so like right for happy days signed the contract UCD obviously you guys are football and a great place to play and obviously you want to get your education on the back of it so literally <laughs> literally we signed and I think a week later then he came back and uh, the three of us found out then that uh, there was no PLC course in UCD for the last 10 years he just he just wanted us to sign you know and get his, get his on paper <laughs> but then he was like right um, he was like right we have another course that you can do it's like there's like all VTAC and gym instruction it was the, the FEI Falls courses and uh, the course was run by the coach that UCD at the time Martin Russell Obviously, you've, you know Martin Russell managing the league with Limerick and UCD as well. So he was the coach on the FAI Falls course. So three of us went and done that and the other four did the, the college course. But um, I ended up being in that Falls course for probably two years then. Um, and it was great. It was like literally football every day. Um, obviously, then you can add on to your leaving sort with VTAC and then you can become became gym instructor. And there was, other, there was loads of different little courses you could, have do, could do on it. But uh, what was I? I was 17, 18. It was great because I was, I was basically full-time football, doing that fast course every day, uh, Monday to Friday. And then um, in the evenings, then obviously training with, with UCD, the 21s and the first team. So on the Mondays and the Wednesdays and the games Friday. So got loads of football in at an early age, you know what I mean? So I kind of, that stood to me, especially coming from playing whatever junior football or schoolboy football and then coming straight into first, like, first team football, full-time football. I think it really benefited me being able to do that course. Because obviously if I was doing the college course, I wouldn't have had as much football, you know, because I would have been doing my college and then obviously only training with UCD on the Wednesdays and, the, and the, or Mondays and Wednesdays. And then obviously playing with our 21s or 23s, I think it was at the time, uh, on the Saturdays. But with the Falls course, it was literally football every day, nine to about four. And then um, obviously, whatever, nine to 12, you, you do your football and then in the afternoon, you could do like your whatever, your course, your VTAC and stuff like that. So I thought that was really beneficial for me because... When I, when I came into UCD then, I was I was flying fit, you know, you, you gave yourself a chance because you were playing full-time football so early, you know, kind of getting ahead of the, probably the lads that were in the college. Obviously, they were getting their education as well, but as in the terms of the football, we were probably a bit ahead because we were playing football every day. We were that bit fitter, gave ourselves that bit of chance, that chance to, to get in and try and break into the first team, you know. And you broke into the first team then. Um, did you break into the first team the, uh, the year... You got promoted from the first division, or, or were you in the first team? I, I think it was sorry, yeah. I think it was. I think it was just the, the year, the year they got relegated. I think it was. I think I played a few games in the first team, probably three or four games. because uh, we came in, I think we came in halfway during a season, like you know the trials and the for the the fellas that be coming in on trial and being offered scholarships would have been halfway during the year. So I think we came in and would have got a bit of first team football. By the end of that season, I think it was 2007 or 2008, I'm not sure. And like I said, I think it would have made my debut against Cork City. I always remember that. But um, I would have got a few first team games. I think it was only about three or four games. I'm not sure, to be honest. It's all far back. What? But um, I think they got relegated then. And then obviously, Pete Mann left and Matt Russell took over then the, the first team then. I think that first year, the first year, did we win it? Did we win it the first year? I'm not sure. 2009 maybe it was yeah 2009 so he kind of Pete was gone and obviously at that time like I said I think you asked me this question before or the lads in the college that wasn't in the or was our lads playing for UC that wasn't in the college that was but um, I think as the years went on then they kind of just went back to the college thing so we did basically all nearly the scholarships that came in that year the young group with a few first teamers and then kind of more all our senior lads like Tony McDonald 
Gary Dicker would have been there, Alan McAnally, all lads that played in the league had great careers. They would have moved on, you know what I mean? Um, and we kind of went the younger route. So you kind of got your chance. So it was great. And obviously we went on and to win the league that year. And do you, um, after UCD, then you went to Sport of Fingal, but that, that club kind of fell, fell through kind of quick enough, didn't it? I was, there for two, I was there for two weeks. Oh, was that two weeks? <laughs> two um, weeks, yeah. And you you went to Dundalk, but just before you get to Dundalk, actually, when you were with um, Pats, you were great uh, four years with Pats, um, Premier Division, FA, FAI Cup and the League Cup. But just around that time as well, there was interest from uh, Moiderwell, as far as I know. Um, but it was interesting because, you know, it was stopped, we say, from the managerial perspective, from the club perspective, and of naturally you were you were upset. How did you? How was that time for you, and how did you deal with it? Um, yeah, no, look, there was. I think it was. I think it was the third year, or the fourth year, I was there. I think obviously um, Ian Barrettoff was the manager. Sligo, yeah. So we would have had a lot of battles over the years. You would have seen me play and stuff. And he was. Um, he was the manager, Motherwell. I think it was after we won the league and the FAI Cup. I think it was the year after. Or maybe it was the year. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, look, they wanted to sign me. They rang me. Obviously, I was coming. I, had, I think I had three months left in my contract. And they, he wanted to sign me. And it was a case where he was going to put in a bid. And, you know, obviously, it wasn't going to be that much because I only had three three months left. And I was out of contract as well. So, um. Look, and it was a case where they're going to put in a bid and obviously it was up to the club to accept it and stuff. And obviously, Liam Buckley was the manager and stuff. And I think it was on the back of winning the cup in the league. We probably didn't have a great year that year. And um, it was a case where he needed his best players and he couldn't lose anyone. And he's probably under a small bit of pressure as well after after having two good years, you know, and not going so well that year. So it was a case where me and Liam probably walked around the pitch into core for probably two weeks walked around after every training session it was a case where I was like look Liam obviously I want to go I think it was 25, 26 at the time I could be wrong there but um, I was like look I've been good to you you've been good to me we've we've uh, we've won everything together it could be a case like I, I want to go like you know but uh, from his uh, that was my point of view and uh, just a chance to say I went and gave it a go probably a higher level at the time and it was a case where look I could have been back the next day I could be there for the rest of my life. Who uh, you wouldn't know, but I just obviously would like the chance to go. But then, obviously, from his side of view, he didn't want to lose his best players. He was under a bit of pressure. We were playing in Europe in two or three weeks. He needed to get through a round financially for the club. And uh, like at the time, obviously, I was a bit pissed. But um, you got to look at it then. You know, the bigger picture. Like it was the, he was, he was looking after his club, his team. He wanted contracts for next year. You know, better contracts for players and obviously getting through around Europe would help that. But um yeah, so it was kind of didn't happen then. And it wasn't a great bit. I think it was only like 12,000, 12, 15,000. And Liam was like, look, if they didn't want if they wanted to do it, they would have played more and stuff. And my case was look, me have 23 months left in my contract, you know. And he want, they wanted me to go to um a camp out I think it was Italy or somewhere or Netherlands. And um, obviously they had midfielders on trial then as well, because Liam wouldn't wouldn't um wouldn't accept the bid. So then two weeks passed and then literally there was two midfielders signing. That was it really. And obviously it was a bit angry and stuff. I wanted to, wanted to go, but 
that's football, that's the way it goes. He's looking after his club and the team and obviously he needs to um like I say get contracts or players for next year and one of these best players getting getting through around Europe that was gonna help and look, that's football, didn't happen. And that's it, that's all she wrote really. Yeah, and did you just on that point as well, you you know, that's part and parcel of, of um professional professional life really, you know. Um how did you find did you find it hard to make that switch and you know, focus going forward in, or did you just accept it? Look, this is part and parcel of professional life. If I want to be a professional at least, you know, this yeah. is this is it. No, I, I did. I found it hard, to be honest. I found it hard. I was like, I was thinking, like, he's out of stopping me, like, he's out of stopping me from going here. I was a bit, I was, I was really pissed. And it could have been then a time then where Cork were on to me. I don't know if you really know this, but Cork were on to me then. And I, th- I thought I patched at the time. We wasn't as good and the team that won the league and the cup was kind of fading and it was going to be a whole new team. We weren't playing too well and um, results weren't going too well and I felt like probably, we'd probably, I probably need a new challenge anyway. So in the back of that year then, um, Cork were on to me and they're on about signing down there. So I was thinking, right, if I'm not going... And they were doing well in the league as well and they were getting stronger. Of course, it was on the off while Pats were probably coming back down a bit, down the table. So I was kind of thinking, right, if we're... If, I want to. If I'm not going to be going anywhere, I want to. Like, where's the best chance of me winning the league? Um, and it was a case where Cork were on to me, and I kind of in the back of my head, it was like, like to finish the season as strong as I can, and then um, try and get down to Cork and and uh, see what John Coffey was doing. He was on to me. Obviously, when your contracts up, the last few months of contract, you're allowed to talk to, to clubs and different managers and stuff. So. I was kind of thinking, right, they've, they've finished first and second, or they finished second two years in a row, I think it was, or the next year. So he was on about the players he's going to sign. And my thinking was, right, if I'm not going to be getting a move or getting out of Ireland, where's the next next place that I can get go to, to win something? And I thought Cork was the best place to go. So then obviously Liam, I think, got wind of that, that he, I was going down. He thought I signed a pre-contract. He was offering me contracts to sign win the last few two months of the season and I was like I could probably make mine was made up by then that I was going to go to Cork and he was convincing me to try and sign and stuff but really deep down I was kind of probably pissed with me you know and um, never kind of said that in the media or anything like that because I didn't want to burn any bridges with Liam and obviously like I'm here now and Liam was very good to me don't get me wrong but obviously at the time probably that bit younger I was I was a bit pissed but um, so yeah so my, my thinking was right when we're going to win Where's my next club? Where am I going to win? I think time of patch was kind of coming to an end. So Cork was the next destination. So I just right finished the season out best I can. And uh, I think we ended up winning the League Cup that year, was it? Obviously, we didn't have the best year. I think we got Europe, just about got Europe. I think we won the League Cup and then left for Cork then on the back of that. So that was me thinking. It was hard, but I had to motivate myself. It was all right. I have to be professional for myself here, regardless of what's, what's going on. And uh, don't let myself down. So... That's, that's the way I looked at it and that's what happened, yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, it was interesting actually to get a good, you know, an insight into what it's like in the professional, professional, you know, football world. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity as well, like, you know, as, you know, as an athlete, you're, you know, you're going, naturally you're going to be moving on to teams and, and clubs and all that. Um, how... No, you, you've you've been in different environments now um, over the last couple of years. You know since you started, how important do you think yeah. a good team culture is? Um, and uh, you know where has been the best 
you've seen to date, if you can say that? Yeah. Um, obviously, look, UCD, it's... I'll start, I'm start, I'll start and go work the way up. See, I think with UCD, it's... Um, you're starting out, you're coming into the league, all young lads wanting to do well. You're getting a platform there to go out and play football, express yourself. And no disrespect to UCD, but there's no fans, so there's no pressure, you know? It's just literally, right, go out, be brave as you want. And... Uh, you're like, you really think, you always look back to UCD, you're always kind of like that big, you're cocky, you're confident, because you're given that, you're given the managers and the club, they give you that, that um, to go out and express yourself and be who you are, be your personality on the pitch, which is great. So it's like a kind of, you're smelling yourself a bit because you only notice that when you leave the club then. Obviously that team culture was great because we're all the same boat. We all want to be, we all kind of wanted that was a stepping stone, hopefully for better things. So we're all kind of singing off the same hymn sheet and um, but you only realise that when you leave New City and you sign for a big club, but there's, there's, there's fans, there's expectations. That ball that you take on the box, under your six yard box at UCD, you won't be doing that at other clubs because the the pressure is more, you know, and there's expectations from fans, the club, the managers are getting paid bigger wages. And if you don't do the business, someone else is going to come in, you know what I mean? But um, in terms of culture, yeah, UCD was great because we're all, we're all young lads wanting to be players and you couldn't speak highly enough of it. Then obviously going to Pats, Liam assembled a, a team, sorry, went to Dundalk then. Um, that was, it was a bit weird. We had a small squad up there. We had a few senior pros, a few local lads, and then a few lads that were literally leaving UCD, having probably played as many uh, first, first team games, had many appearances under their belts. So it was a bit different and obviously it was my first time probably being with like proper senior lads, you know, we had Mark Bigley, Jason Bourne, Colin Hawkins and see how they operate and stuff. But it was a good bond there, but we just didn't have a big squad. So any injuries really did, did hurt us and we didn't have a great year that year. We started really well, but then injuries came, came, came on and uh, we were kind of depleted and lads were, were getting strapped up and stuff like that. But the team environment was good. Um, I don't know if all the lads were there for the right reasons. But um, we'll say no more on that because I, I don't really look at my time with Undock Fanley, you know. But um, getting the Pats then, obviously the year after, was um, was a case where Liam, Liam and Trevor Crawley came in. They wanted to put a team together, you know, Liam Buckley, a team that were hungry and like there was probably only one or two lads that won stuff. And then um, I was hungry to win and I think you got a group of lads that were hungry to win and it was great. And then there was obviously senior lads that didn't win too much as well. But on the back of that, so it was there was a good hunger there from the group to go win something, to go do something. And obviously, St. Pat's been a big club. Um, and obviously, there's a few lads there, like Joe Bryant, Brendan Clark, you know, they were, that was their club. And then there was a few lads from the country and different lads that were probably out of contract and um, stuff like that. So I think the first year of Pat's, we'd done really well. The culture was good. We wanted a win. We came, I think we came third that year and got through three rounds in Europe. So then the second year then was when we won the league. And... The hunger was there. We didn't need to be coached. We literally, every day in training, any five of us, the players were hungry to win. And we we'd literally, I honestly, we didn't really need to be coached. We were we had good players, you know. And um, it was a case where everyone was kicking each other in training and there was that motivation from everyone pushing each other on and it was a great culture. And then, obviously, on the back of that, we went on to win the league. And then I think as, as that year went on, then the next year went on, um, Liam signed a rake of players, rake of lads that have won stuff. 
came in, he signed loads of players, like team players that should have probably been, probably felt they should have been playing, first team players, you know yourself, you get a squad, you get lads that will fill in the squad and teams that are players that are going to start and stuff like that. So it was probably hard to manage, a lot of egos. And um, it was a hard, a hard to uh, hard to get a good bond going. Do you know what I mean? Because lads would be so pissed off they wouldn't be playing and giving out or not trying and training. So it was kind of a hard. It was hard to to get a good team bond together when you have that. You know what I mean? There was a lot of egos. A lot of lads felt they should have been playing, and rightfully so because they've came from clubs that they were playing or they were the main man at that club. You know, because um, so it was probably a learning curve for for leaving away. Because then the next year. The squad was was smaller, you know, and he he had lads that um he had lads that whatever we had probably 13, 14 lads that probably should have been starting, and then the rest were lads that were probably not going to start, but were happy to to come off bench and impact it that way, knowing they're not going to play every game. But on the back of that, then I think of win the league in the FA Cup, the age group of the lads, I think the hunger kind of went a bit, um obviously because there was a lot of lads, a lot a lot of senior lads and. They finally got their hands in that FAI Cup and uh, in the League Cup that I think we probably took probably took their took whatever, took the handbrake off or put the handbrake on even. And uh, it was hard to get that group dynamic going again and that hunger because you can go both ways, you win something, you either want to want, want to win more, or if you're really a senior lad and you've won that and it's like right, I got me medal now, happy days, you know. So it was kind of hard. But um but the fairly first few years of Pat was very good culture, then down to Cork. Where I felt it was Jesus. Everyone was on the same same thing again. Lads hadn't won stuff, so there was a hunger there again to do well and and to win. And they're coming. They were coming close. John Caulfield had him, I think, second two years in a row. And then he brought in the likes that year that came in it was himself, Kenny Brown, Shawnee McGuire, Stephen Dooley, and Kev O'Connor. So there were lads that were hungry to win. And I was, for me personally, I was always hungry to do well. And that's why I kind of went to Cork. So because I thought that was the best chance I would have had of winning something and uh, obviously all the local lads that were down in Cork as well core group was Cork lads and they were hungry to win so I think the group and such I don't know it's maybe a Dublin thing as well our country lads I think just the country lads are probably a bit more modest and a bit more honest you know and then Jesus you couldn't have lads down in Cork we would have I've played obviously I think I played the Pats and Rovers and I don't know if the Cork team was probably as, as talented but Jesus they were as hungry and honest and they wanted to win and they run through a brick wall for you, you know and I think at the end of the day John got that culture into the, into the into the club didn't want lads coming down just picking up their wages he wanted to get the right people in and um, he and Jesus walked, went on we won the cup the first year I was there and then the second year we won the double so um, but Cork especially was the probably dressing room where Everyone bought into what they were doing, um, and would, it doesn't matter what the training was, it was bad, good, or whatever, it didn't matter, no one cared, everyone just wanted to win, you know. And then, um, so and proofs in the pudding, and the medals were won, so it was great. Then going to Rovers, obviously, Stephen Bradley then was was probably um trying to change the culture there because obviously, that I think they had a they had a bad they had a bad few years, change of managers, Trevor Crawley after Michael O'Neill they had Trevor Crawley. Pat Fenlon, um, I think then Stephen Bradley came in and Stephen was obviously a young coach coming into the game and obviously had a fountain of knowledge, obviously working on the manager with Arsene Wenger and wanted the game played a certain way. But I think for him, the biggest thing was to get the lads out that he didn't want and getting the right people into the club 
that drive lads on and that were hungry to win, not just to pick up their wage and stuff. And I think that obviously last year, the proof was in the pudding. He got all them players that he wanted into the, into the team. And it was more of a process of building up, building up um, to get to that stage. He got the players he wanted, certain characters in the team that were, you know, not whatever, Charlie's egos that would put their ego aside and do what they had to do for the team. It was a big thing. And um, and it's no coincidence that I passed the first two years we were there. We had the right culture. We won stuff. Cork, we won stuff. And then at Rovers, it was a bit of a process, three-year thing. They could have, obviously, there was tough times as well. But then um, I think on the back of last year and the year before, he got the players, the, the type of characters he wanted in the dressing room. And uh, I think just we all rubbed off on each other. And there you go again. We won a cup the year before and then won the league, you know. So uh, I think it's a big thing culture-wise to do get the right people in, the right characters. I think it's massive in the team going forward. To do that, you can have all the ability in the world. And I think at Rovers then, Rovers probably was the one where we had the most ability, but the most togetherness. We're like brothers. Anything after training, anything like that, we'd go have a coffee and do things. As much as you want to say, nights out, we'd try and get everyone involved together, young lads. If we're all going out, if anyone's going out, we're all going out. And uh, not that we would be going out that much anyway, but any time we did, we'd made sure everyone was involved and doing even just going for coffees and stuff like that. We'd make sure we're in big groups because obviously you need to need to um need to get that bond off the pitch as well as on the pitch because obviously people are different off the pitch than they are on the pitch, you know. So um, but uh, I think Rovers now culture wise was probably the best I was at and probably the best probably technically gifted team, and it's no coincidence where they are now and they're probably the benchmark in the league, you know. And, you know, on that point as well, um, did, you know, I suppose naturally over the years you kind of found yourself been, um, you know, implementing the culture as well within teams because you're, you know, probably the senior senior player in, in some of the squads as, as you, you know, went through your career or have gone through your career to date. Mm. Did you find a big change between you know, trying to instill that culture, trying to get the younger lads to buy in because, you know, the way younger lads nowadays, they're kind of, they're glued to the phone on to that point we, we spoke about earlier on. Did you find that kind of different to compare to perhaps how you would have been? Oh, yeah, totally different, totally different. Um, like, when I, was a, when I was a young player coming up, senior lads would build you, shout at you, like, you know, tough loving, you know what I mean? Tough love you get off them, you know, and it's kind of this now, this generation... You kind of need to be careful what you're saying because I think the younger lads taking a bit more personally, you know, and it never is. You're you're doing it for the benefit of the team, unless you're not a nice person or you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Anytime I find now that I'm saying stuff to lads, it's, it's for the right reasons, you know. And you need to be uh, you need to be careful because they're like the players now. I think are a bit fickle, and um, you need to be careful what you're saying, and you need to say probably things at the right time. You need to probably think about well before things are just said. And that was it. You took it. You got on with it. Well, now, I think this generation is probably a bit different. They have to, um, some lads might take a personal, and it never is personal. The only reason you're getting on to lads, and the reason why I'd be saying stuff to any of the young lads is for the benefit of them, and and most partly the team, you know, and um, especially coming up here for me, coming up to Sligo Rovers at the minute, I think Liam was, Liam was on to me about that, trying to change the culture and help the lads as best you can being a voice on the pitch, organising lads, team management. You look at like you look at the games now and the underage and the elites, all the League of Ireland clubs, 
about having a philosophy and playing a certain way and uh, win, lose or draw or getting bet 2-0 and stuff like that. But And you learn that going up, obviously your position and stuff. While I think out of the game, the team management, how to, if you're winning 2-0, slow it down, stuff like that, organising organizing where to be, right? We're going to drop off or winning 2-0, stuff like that. That uh, I think it's probably getting lost in the game. Um, and I only got that myself from experience, experiencing through senior pros, you know. So I think um, all the obviously the emphasis now, you look at all the players, younger lads, everyone wants to be a 10, everyone wants to get the ball in the half turn and play that lovely pass and stuff. But I think the game is losing a bit of that other side of the game or team, like I said, managing the game in the game. And like and Liam wanted me to come up here, you have a coach on pitch. Organ lads telling them where to be, probably me gaining that from experience, from my experience playing the league for so long. And um obviously and just demanding standards, you know, and obviously for me to do that, I need to be at, at myself, you know. There's nothing worse than the fella telling you to do this, do that, and he's not doing it himself. So my first kind of thought coming up here was to um get myself really first and then obviously hopefully rub on and rub rub off other on other players, younger lads. And you got to, up here. Obviously, we've got a good group of young lads that want to do well. And um, obviously, staying back on after training, working on teams, midfielders like like nine more hand there, young fella. He's involved in all your setups and all. Wants to be a player. Wants to learn. And um, it's hard to hard to get them kind of lads the whole time. But um, but yeah, uh, it's a case where now I'm probably up here just trying to give off the experiences that I had to 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 the younger players. And uh, hopefully it can benefit them, you know. Um, just I suppose before we touch on the Sligo Rovers um, aspect of it, you know, and going forward, um, what would a typical day be for you? Do you know, we say before COVID, um, you know, or perhaps a, d- a typical week. You're hardly you're you're not training nine to five every day, or roughly. What's the the time? Yeah, table no. Like? Obviously, um. Obviously, we'd be in in the morning. Obviously, up for breakfast. This is Shamrock Rovers now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Shamrock Rovers, yeah. Obviously, up for breakfast. We would have been in for 10, quarter, sometimes quarter to 10 for a half half 10 start. Or if you're going to be in earlier, if you need a rub or see the physio, you get in a bit earlier. The lads that want the rubs or the injured players that needed to see the physio, they would have been in probably 15, 20 minutes before everyone else came in before the lads had to get their straps or whatever they had to get done before they went onto the pitch, the lads that are war training. And um, basically in train for, could be an hour and a half, just a Monday, say, uh, train for an hour and a half, um, cool down then, stretch, whatever, and then uh, go get some grub. There would have been grub there for us um, in, in Roadstone where they train. Um, good good setup there. Um, they would have had all the food and all, you could have whatever, your chicken, your pasta, your fish. Um, obviously your sweet potato rice broccoli all that stuff would have been all there for you and then in a, in the afternoon then maybe at 2 o'clock or whatever we would have been in the gym Darren Dillon's gym um, as a group backing out whatever 50, 40, 40 minute 50 minute session getting that done and uh, then just getting yourself home and obviously it would have been tough on the body so you, you need to rest you need to hydrate you need to eat again you need to eat a lot and you need to um you need to, yeah, you need to recover, you know, because, you know, tomorrow then, Tuesday is going to be tough again. So, obviously, same again on the Tuesday. We, would, we wouldn't have had a gym session on the Tuesday. All our gym would have been done on the Monday. In again in the morning on the Tuesday for your session. Maybe more kind of shape work, stuff like that. Depends on what, what way, if we're playing away or home or whatever, 
or if the game's on a Friday or Saturday, you would have been off the Wednesday, recover, relax, whatever. Obviously, some lads would have gone to fill their day with a bit of golf or something like that. But um, obviously, when you're at that level, you, you need to be recovering. You know what I mean? You, you do need to put the feet up as much as the missus or the girlfriends or the wives. They want to be doing stuff. They're probably, we're probably a pain the whole that... Uh, Look, this is my day off. I need to recover here, you know. Um, and then obviously the tours, they would have been in, would have been in the morning and literally short session, nice and sharp, in for a few games, short games, quick feet, stuff like that, little small pass drills, sharp stuff, and uh, just work on your probably your set pieces and stuff like that. And then into the game Friday, Thursday would always be light before the game, and then obviously the game on the Friday night then, and uh, then on the Saturday then you would have been in in the morning for a cool down. Lads that probably didn't play didn't play that Friday night or only played a, a small part of it, do a bit or do a bit in the gym. Um, and then the whole group then will probably come in in the gym in the morning. And obviously, you get your two, that's your two gym sessions in the week, the Monday and the Saturday morning. You do that as an act of recovery. And um, yeah, that's about it. And off Sunday, and then you go again on the Monday, you know. And obviously, obviously that would change as well because sometimes the backlog of games or games are called off or, you know, trying to fill, fill games in you might have a game Friday Friday Tuesday or Friday Monday so it varied you know as it, as it went on but your average week would have been that you know off the Wednesday in the Monday Tuesday off the Wednesday small bit on the Thursday bang ready to go feeling like you want to do more on the Thursday going into the Friday always wanting to feel like oh, I haven't done enough but keeping that bit of, bit of hunger for the Friday and then um, yeah and then in the Saturday cool down relax again have your whatever you can probably enjoy your your food if you wanted or Saturday night if you wanted obviously not too much but um, and then back in again on the Monday then again start all over Looking back we'd say over the last couple of years um, obviously your career isn't done yet you know, so I'm not, I'm not writing you off <laughs> I'm not writing you off but what would you say today has been your highlight? Um, obviously look I've been lucky enough to have a few good experiences because and I say that lucky enough because those lads go through their career in this league and they might never win anything, you know. So I'd like to think I'm, I'm modest enough. I might, other lads might say different because I'd be winding them up about the, the few medals that I've won and stuff. But no, I've been really lucky. Um, really lucky to get my hands on a few trophies over the years, playing big games and European games, European nights. They always stick stick with you and going to see different countries and all. But I think, I think the first, my first, Premier League title with um with St. Pat's was the one because it was my first one and I always remember it. Um, obviously in the, the last the game the week the league winning game was against Sligo home in Inchicore. We won that game. They were going for it. They were obviously going for the title as well. And if we had won that game, they couldn't have caught, caught us. So I think that game and obviously I was <laughs> I scored in that game as well. I don't score many goals and it was, it was a good goal. So it was a case where Jesus was meant to be, <laughs> but um. But I'd say my first league title at Pats always sticks with me the most. But then, obviously, then, obviously, with Cork going down and doing the double and winning the FAI Cups, Cup nights are special as well. Obviously, league is your bread and butter, but Cups, Cups are different days just to build up for it and your family are there. It's week one-off game. Obviously, been lucky enough to win it with Pats, Cork and Rovers. But, um, and obviously, like I said, European nights, but I think I think the, the first one with Pats, winning the league with Pats will, will be the one that always sticks, sticks with me because... It was the first one, and uh, we done it playing the right way, and um, obviously a good group of lads as well. And 
it was a lot, a lot of lads first time winning something to but so to be sharing that moment with them was 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 pretty special, you know. So I'd say that. You touched on already. Um, you're up with, with Sligo Rovers now. What drew you to the club? Um, and actually, first of all, before we go to that, do you find it difficult? Um, been told that the contract, your contract, won't be renewed with Rovers. Um. Yeah. No. Look. Obviously, that's that's, that's football, you know. Um. Obviously, with the club, the way they were looking at it, it was probably my age. Um. My age. The injury. Um, it was a conversation that I've had with Stephen Bradley and MacPhail. I was on to him. It's probably the first time in my career where I didn't have something sorted. Um, before the summer, I always kind of knew what I was doing, or I'd have something signed before then. So it was probably the first time in my career where I wasn't sure. Jesus, obviously, I was injured. Will I get a contract? Will I not? And um, obviously, Rovers have established themselves to get. To where they are winning the league, winning the FEI Cup the year before. So being able to and obviously having their budget that it's if there was players available that they'd want to go there. So there'll be a pool of players there that if if they lost one, they could get another one just as good in or whatever like that. So I understood all that. But I think uh their their probably worry was the injury, my age, um stuff like that would I be able to come back on it because and they had to make a decision if they made a decision and I couldn't get back was it a, obviously it was probably one of the higher earners of the club as well so it was a case where yeah obviously I've been good to them they've been good to me but it's a it's it's a it's a ruthless business you know it's a, it's a business at the end of the day and they're looking at it. look we we'll probably have lads coming through and we could probably get this type of player knowing that we're not taking a risk by signing Greg back because because of his injury. Will he get back to his full fitness? There was obviously a lot of doubts, and obviously it was hard because I've had a good relationship with the club. The club not bad ever to say about the club it was brilliant. They were brilliant for me, regardless before the injury or not. I loved I loved it. Uh, got on really well with the manager and Steve Steve McPhail and, and Glenn Cronin, and it was probably a conversation where it was probably hard as a hard one. I was probably in the room with him for about an hour chatting about it because I was always on to him about a contract and we get sorted and yeah look we'll sit down and have a chat and then um, so it was probably one of them where they had to weigh it up and look that's football that's the way it was and the contract or the talk was probably about two weeks two or three weeks before the season ended and it was a case where look Greg it's probably the hardest conversation you're probably going to have to have in a long time uh, we're, we're probably going to go a different way probably a bit shocked at the time I thought I would have got a contract but that's football um, and it was a case where look was right, right. I'm going to be moving on. That's it. That's the way it is. That's football. And um, at the time, probably a bit sad, a bit like ah, annoyed, probably thinking I was telling them you're making the wrong decision, stuff like that, you know. But sure, look, that's the way it is. They need to look after the club financially. And young lads coming through, obviously, there's a conveyor, conveyor belt the players coming through as well. The club and they put a lot of work into their academy and putting lads in, getting lads, trying to get lads up to the first team. So it was a case where I wasn't holding any grudges or, you know, thinking trying to dummy out of pram or ties out of pram or anything like that. So it was a case where, right, look, I'm not getting the contract. If I get back fit, I'll be available. You know, I will. You know the way the kind of person I am, and um, I'll want to play. Like I want to play. I don't like because if I'm not here next year, that um that like I'm gonna just down tools. I never was. There was a FA Cup semi final to be played and a, an FAI Cup, and I was a case where I was pushing at that. Look. I'll be ready if you need me, you know, that kind of way. So, um, and they knew that as well. And they knew the way I was, what kind of person I was. So, and uh, 
I said that to them and they were like, Screech Greg, we know, we know that. We know the way you are and stuff. So it was, it was probably a hard decision on their part as well. So, But it was a case where, just get on with that's football. Right, next challenge, let's go. Where are we going to go? That kind of way. And then obviously, obviously you kind of put that out. I wasn't going to contract and a good few clubs were on to me. And it was a case I thought Sligo was the best. Obviously working with Lean before, knowing what way he wants to play. His, his style of play probably suited me. And um, he wanted me to come up and try and help the young lads, drive lads on, be an influence, be a voice around the place. And then um, it was a challenge then, right? Look, if I'm not going to be at Ro- uh, Shamrock Rovers, this is going to be an option for me. And it was a challenge. And I was like, right, because obviously I've been lucky enough to be in teams over the years that I've always kind of challenged or been there, thereabouts. Obviously, Liam had a vision and he wanted to um to get lads on board and push push that gig on at Sligo Rovers to get up to the levels of Dundalk in Sligo. And he signed very well this year. Um, and he's this is what he's aiming to do. So um, he wants to try and bridge, bridge that gap. So it was a, obviously, and I played with lads that played at Sligo, lived in Sligo over the years. And they always had good things to say about the place, about living here, and that you'd be well looked after. And since I've been here, that's been the case. And um, and obviously, Liam wants to try and bridge that gap. So it's a case now where I'm going to try and come in and try and give my best on the pitch through my performances and, and try and rub off on lads. And Because um, there's not many senior lads up here. There's a few season campaigners already. Um, but there's a lot of young lads. And they're wanting to do well and they're hungry. And I've, since I've been in, I've only been here three weeks. And I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing with my decision that I'm here. Because uh, I see it. Lads want to do well. It's a good group of lads. Like I said, the culture is good. So, um, yeah, so really happy and looking forward to it now. Touch wood now that uh, my injury stays away. I'll get over that, and I have been. And, um, yeah, it's a case now just driving on. I'm looking forward to the season. Our first pre-season game is next Tuesday. And um, so I'm ready to go, yeah. And when do, when will the season kick off? Or when is it supposed to kick off? It's the, the, 20th, the 20th of March is, a, is the first um first league game against Dundalk at home so tough start for us but um, look it's a good it's a good thing we're at home first game obviously there's going to be no crowd at the game so it's it's I always found it kind of hard coming up here playing for different teams up in Sligo fans always get behind uh, behind Sligo the Sligo teams so um, but the first game is the 20th of March 20th of March touch wood it's, it stays like that obviously a lot lot of it um, is determined on the COVID and stuff like that and the number is going down, but at the minute, at the mo- at the minute, it's uh, it's the twentieth of twentieth of March, so we're just all gearing up to that now, you know. No, it's great. It's definitely great that the you know that the League of Ireland is back as well. Um, it's a, a couple of people weren't too happy. The GA weren't uh, allowed back, but uh... um, don't mind them. <laughs> Um, just we're coming towards the end now. But do you practice visual visualization, uh, whether consciously or subconsciously? Visualization, as in, you know, visualizing um, attacks or moves that might happen on the pitch or where you'd before like to the be. game, before, before the game and stuff like that. No, yeah, I would, especially the day before, if we're playing it, if we're playing a certain team, and obviously the way the league of Ireland is, it's kind of a small league. You kind of know, obviously, it's changed, it's, bit, it's changing a bit now, but you'd always know who you're kind of coming up against and stuff like that. So. And the way a team set up and on. So, yeah, I would. I probably would, yeah, before the day, before the game. I'd be thinking to myself, right, I'm trying to visualise on the pitch, right? I think if I'm playing this team, I'm going to get the ball in this position more so than that position and stuff like that. And then, obviously, before the game, 
I'd be out on the pitch, whatever, just thinking, hammering home again, like, this is where I think I'm going to be getting the ball because I know the way they, they set up and I think it's a big part of it, not knowing what you're going into, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I definitely would. Um, in, a, in a small way, not too much into it, not getting too much technically into it, but I would visualise as in, right, this is where, like I said, where I'm going to get the ball. I should be able to get on it here in these positions because the team's set up a certain way and the way we're set up. I'm probably going to get more ball in this position than that that position for this certain team, you know. So I would, in a way, I suppose that is a bit of visualization, and then, yeah. So I would have small, but yeah. Do you ever get other offers to to move abroad? You know, through your career. Um. Yeah, I've I've been offered um been offered to go to America a lot, a few times. There's was offered to go to Kentucky, um. There was another one in, where was it? Orange County Blues, Orange County in California. Would have been lovely. Don't know why it didn't go. <laughs> um, and there was another one in El Paso. That's down, down near Texas. It's on the border of Mexico and te- in Texas, El Paso. And that's over the last four or five years. I think the Kentucky one was a bit younger. It was an option, but I always wanted to stay in the league at the time or try and get to England. And then the last one, I think, was in the middle of the, the car contract in the middle of in the second year, for after the first year, I was offered to go to Orange County Blues. There was an English coach over there. Obviously, they were looking for a six position I play in. And I was thinking, Jesus, Orange County, what a place to go live a <laughs> lifestyle. I was like, <laughs> I'm down here in Lashing Rain, Cork, you know what I mean? I was thinking, right. Uh, but no, I was under contract, so it was never really an option. But um, And obviously, a big thing was, was a factor of... We're lucky enough in the League of Ireland where we get, um, I think it's the same for jockeys, maybe in golfers as well, that you get 40% of your 10 best years back once you retire. So I was always kind of thinking, I'd always try and get the best money I could here. Mm-hmm. And when they, when you retire, you get your 40% of your 10 best years tax back. So it was a case where if I was to go, if I was to go, I could claim me tax back or something like that, but I wouldn't have been able to play in the league again. So that was kind of always in my mind. Yeah, I could go go for a different lifestyle but it was always kind of things it was kind of a saving thing for me that I try and get the best money I could here and um, whatever motivates you you know everyone's different obviously I was motivated by winning and obviously trying to make the best money I could you know mm-hmm. so um, I was always kind of thinking right trying to get the best money as I could here for as long as I could knowing that in the back of that I was going to get that back and um, so that was kind of a decision where like yeah I could go to Orange County or go to El Paso but it probably disrupt my ten my ten best years here, you know. So that was kind of the case and a deciding factor. And and obviously I was thinking I wanted to win more as well. So and obviously that was in between Cork and Rovers. And luckily I've I stayed here and and won something. So I was probably justified. If I wanted to go over and have a nice lifestyle, I suppose I should have probably went. But um no. So I was I was offered there yeah, Kentucky, uh, Orange County and El Paso. But um. I went to Cork, Sligo, and uh, Cork, <laughs> Dublin, and uh, Sligo instead. Yeah, um, I actually think there's something as well with uh, rugby players. As far as I know, I think they get something back as well. Yeah, I think it's rugby as well. Yeah, they get the ten best years. Um, just looking back in your your career, um, what were the bi- the biggest and most difficult challenges you faced to date? Would the injury be probably the biggest challenge or oh, yeah probably the injury obviously like there's 
or certain games, you'd have little ups and downs where you wouldn't be playing or you'd be left out of a team or something like that. You know, kind of like minor things when you think about the injury I had. And like I said, I was lucky enough over my career to not have that many injuries, always been available, trained most weeks every day. Um, it was a case, not a case where I'd, as I got older, that I'd have to step out with certain sessions just for your load and stuff. I was never like that. I always wanted to train, always wanted to play, always made myself available. So it was a case where probably the, the hardest thing was probably the injury. And obviously getting it so late in my career as well, I was thinking, Jesus, could this be it? Like, could this be the end of it? Obviously that goes through your head. You're getting it so late, 31, 32, whatever, getting the injury. So I think that was probably the hardest thing, getting over that. But um, because, like I said, because I haven't had them long-term injuries, I wasn't used to it, it was new to me. Obviously, going through the, your football cycle, you, you learn different things as you go, you have your ups and downs, but this was the proper, probably the proper, obviously you lose finals or you lose cups or stuff like that. But obviously, the injury was was probably the hardest, yeah, hardest I had to take. But I turned it into a positive in a way. Yeah, like I said, I like to think I'm mentally kind of strong. I was thought like, right, this is going to be a challenge, and uh, let's head it, let's hit hit it head on. And um, I, I like like I said, I'm over the I'm over I'm over the other side of it now. So, but at the time I was I was doing well. I was fit, flying fit. Obviously, I knew there was a big season ahead for for the team. I had a good chance to win the league. I kind of smelt it. So it was kind of a more a signal that if it's a case where I didn't feel where we were going to win something or things were going to happen here, it might have been as bad, but I knew kind of in deep down that this could be a big year for the club as in win that league, getting that hand in the league title because I've seen the progression in the three years and then to get enough like that was probably my hardest one. Yeah, definitely the injury. But um, look, I'm on the other side of it now and like I said, I'd like to turn, turn into a positive, doing things and obviously being a being a voice in the dressing room. Not I've I've been in dressing rooms where lads are injured and they're down and they're obviously understandably down. And but I was always thinking, right, this is a different challenge for me coming in trying to motivate lads. I'm still a senior lad, so I was kind of like a case of right, be a positive. I can even if there was down days, not to show it. And um, yeah, so definitely the hardest hardest down I had was was getting the injury. But um, obviously on the other side of it now, thank God. Touch wood. But, um, last question as well, before I, I just ask you uh, the questions that came in as well from, from listeners. Um, as a professional athlete, and look, kind of touched on it a while ago, look, your your career will come to an end at some stage down the line. What would you like to do when you retire? Do you see yourself staying in, in football or do you think you'd be closing the door completely? Um, I don't know. I always, when I was younger, I always wanted to be. I always felt I wanted to be a coach because sometimes I might find myself giving out about a certain session or something like that, just to myself, like not to anyone. But I was thinking, like, ah, that was a shy drill or something like that. And I always thought, like, and I've been lucky enough again to, to work on some great coaches, Martin Russell, Trevor Crawley, who's at Bowes now, and um, some great managers like Stephen Brady, Stephen McPhail. Um, John Caulfield Liam Buckley I've, you know, I've kind of seen like obviously with Liam and Stephen they play a certain way probably similar and then John Caulfield was, might have been a bit different so you can take bits out of all your managers and all your coaches and I always thought like yeah Jesus I've been lucky enough to to, um, to have some great coaches and always take little bits from that and um, then I was uh, got a bit older I was thinking do I want to stay in it um, I'm not sure is there enough opportunities here in Ireland to get Get your uh, get a good job that's going to set you up financially moving forward. Are you going? Are you going to get your badges and not have jobs? You're going to have to go abroad. 
And um, obviously, I think I'm in the middle of doing my way for B now. Obviously, it's hard now to COVID and I st- still have to do final assessment and stuff. So I'm going to get the badges anyway and see where it goes. I might be have to go abroad to get a good job, set up camp maybe somewhere else. Um, but I think I love I love football. I love soccer. I love football. Um, it's probably my biggest passion. So I think I'd be stupid not to go into it. And then obviously I've... I've I've blown my own trumpet, but I've experienced a lot of stuff on the pitch, off the pitch over the years, whatever, 13, 14 year career playing in the league. Um, I think it'd be a waste not to not to stay in it and um, probably give back, give back what I've learned over the years and the way the environment is and dressing rooms and like you said, cultures. And then obviously being on the pitch, teaching young lads, obviously in my position being centre mid, how to receive balls, stuff like that, all the little things, all the basics. Um, I think it'd be stupid not to and I think um, I'd have a bit of knowledge to uh, to give back so I think I, I probably will I probably will stay, stick in football um, if not I still think whatever I'm 32 now the way like I said I've been lucky with no injuries obviously a broken leg but I still think I could play another few years um, it is a young man's game at the minute it's getting younger and younger especially the league but um, I still think my body body's going well I'm, I'm fit fit as I ever was so I just think that I'll have another few years in me and I always said if I was going to do my coaching I'd do it later on in my career at the end and just concentrate on my football so I think it's a case where now I'm, I'll be definitely be looking into what I'm going to do after um, I think coaching will probably the path I will go down I think I was stupid not, not to because I think I have a bit of knowledge about it and and I love it so um, been a part of me gave me a way disciplined gave me a discipline and a routine and obviously all the traits that come with it into your daily life um, it's really helped me so I think I'm super happy to get back you know? so uh, I think definitely coaching I'd like to stick into it yeah stick with it and uh, get into it No that's definitely I you know from chatting you know over the last hour or so um, definitely extremely motivated and you know you have the qualities as well let's say that you know a leader in, in squads and especially when Liam is, is uh, you know seek the out again to, to bring you up to Sligo over so yeah um, definitely interested to see you know what the next couple of years will will do for you. Before I forget it, um, the questions I got in, one of them was, please ask him what made him want to move to Sligo and how is he set settling in over there. So we kind of addressed that about um yeah. moving to Sligo, but how are you settling in? No, all good, all good. Obviously, ever is a bit of a ghost town at the minute with obviously the restrictions and stuff and. Um, but like I, I live right in the middle of Sligo town. It's grand. It's it's lovely. It's um everything is there. Shopping, you know, coffee shops. Everything. The ground is five ten minutes away. Everything is uh is ideal really. And um just like I said, just to be back out on the pitch after a few a few hard months, I have I couldn't be more happier. Um and just settling in like the club, everything that they want for you, and you need even the small little things that you think you'll do yourself, they'll do it for you. Um. So they've been really welcome, welcoming. So um, yeah. So so far so good, and hopefully now in the next few weeks games will come along. We'll all get fitter as well, and and obviously, like I said, with the restrictions and stuff, hopefully they'll be brought back a bit, and you can I can see more uh, more Sligo. Obviously, some nice places to visit, like a bit of golf as well. So see a few golf courses, and I uh, bring a bucket of balls because it's windy up here. It's all links courses. So um. Yeah, so no, I'm settling really well now and enjoying it, yeah. Um, do you think it was the right move to go to Sligo Rovers and why? Um, 
I think time will tell, won't it? Time will tell. Um, I've only been here two weeks, but uh, I do know Liam is trying to trying to bridge that gap between between the probably the, the main two and Dundalk Rovers, and um, it's exciting for me. I'm excited, and like I said, trying to help young lads as well develop in the team and and whatever about all that. I need to put in performances myself, and I'm hungry as ever. And obviously, um, time will only tell, you know, if it's the, if it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um. This guy, this young lad, young lad, sorry, I shouldn't say young lad, this, uh, this person um, just wrote in as well and just asked to talk about Ross Celtic, but maybe you might just give a couple of words about your time. That was probably, I imagine, New Ross Celtic was it your first club. Yeah, no, New Ross Celtic was my first club, yeah. Um, obviously, it was probably one of the, probably has one of probably the biggest tr- traditions in Mexican football, like would have won, won, won a lot of honours over the years, a few, few years back, probably not going as well now. But um, like I said, I think that was a big learning curve for me as well. I was coming in 16, 17 into the first team there, playing junior football, getting booted around the place, getting no love, no kicking lads, getting your respects from kicking them back. And I think it was a big factor in 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 my career, getting that hard, like, you know, tough love and playing against men. Like I said, the game was getting younger at the minute. Um, but... Definitely for my development, it uh, it helped me become a man, you know what I mean? Getting into junior football at that age, young age, having to have to look after yourself on the pitch. And um, obviously back then, I probably would have probably looked after myself too much, would have got a few reds here and there. But that's here and there, that's all a learning, it's all a learning curve for me. And um, great club, great people in the club. Um, and... Yeah, couldn't have couldn't speak highly enough of it, and it really helped my development. Had some good managers there as well, so um, good club. Obviously, it's going through a few hard times at the minute, um, with uh, with probably not being in the Premier in Wexford, but um, Jesus, over the years and when I started out and years before that, they would have won a lot and Leinster seniors and stuff like that, Leinster juniors or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, obviously fond memories there, and obviously I did be home. I would have came back over the years. Not so, not so much in the last few years, but the years before, would have helped out with the first team and doing a bit of coaching and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, good people in the club, and um, obviously wish them all the best. And you never know, I could be back there playing sometime. And when when I re- retire myself from from League of Ireland, who knows? But uh, yeah, great club. And lastly, um, what was his time like with Rovers? Which you, you already gave a great insight into, and uh, Tala Stadium atmosphere. I suppose just on that point, what was the atmosphere like in you know pre COVID times? Yeah, no, like the atmosphere in Tala was brilliant. Obviously, they're playing against when I played in the league and I played against Rovers, and any time you did well, like the fans are fickle. You know, they're hard, they're hard on your team not doing well. They expect. They expect a lot. And probably the first year I was there as well, it was hard. It was us one going away. And like they were hard to please you. But it's like anywhere. You're doing well, they love you. You're doing bad. It's uh, it's not all rosy, you know. But um, I know that, especially the last two years now, the fans have been out in their numbers. They've seen what Stephen Bradley was doing, getting the club back in the right way, um, getting players in that played for the jersey, not just there picking up a wage. Like I said, back to the culture thing, getting the right characters in the dressing rooms. And I think the fans seen that. And all, all fans want in any club is lads just trying their hardest, you know, regardless of the results. And I think uh, he's got that into the into the club. And um, 
it's a case now where anyone else that comes in, any player that comes in the team, that's the standard he's set and that's 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 the culture you're going into and he needs to sign the right players, and which I think he has. So um so yeah, but the fans' atmosphere on nights, especially Dublin Derby nights, was was pretty special. Players and obviously the way and the hatred of the two clubs, uh we they were great to play in. And obviously you probably playing in the league, probably didn't realise that till you go to Shamrock Rovers that uh, how much of a bigger game is like Shamrock Rovers against Bowes. I think I, when I played in the league, it was just I always thought how we're playing Bowes, you know. But now when you're at Rovers, the game is built up, the fans want you to win. Obviously on the wrong end of some results and then you're more eager to try and win for the fans because it means probably a lot more to them than the players in a, in a way, in a mad way because obviously there's a lot of Dublin lads but there's lads from different areas and stuff. But um, for the fans, like that's the one you want to win. You know, and all the games didn't matter if you're playing the team top of the table or bottom of the table. If Bowes were coming into town or you were going to go to Daily Mount, they were the games you, you needed to win to get the fans on your sides, you know. So if you had a bad game the next week, they forgive you because you're after winning against Bowes the week before. <laughs> but um, ah, it was great atmosphere. It's great atmosphere. But like I said, hopefully we can make, create our own atmosphere here now in Stiger Rovers. And like they said, the restrictions will be lifted hopefully soon enough. And please God, we can get fans back into the ground because, like I said, Football without fans is nothing, you know. We really, we really need that support and that atmosphere and that mass day buzz that you get. So please, God, it's um, it's sooner rather than later, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Hopefully, look on on that on that note, I will wrap it up. Um, Craig, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you for taking time out and come on and inside your podcast. And best luck with everything going forward. And no problem. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed it. If you great, um very honest open uh, i think we get great insight into you know his career and all the setbacks and uh you know the we get great insight as well into the, the team culture in different groups he's been a part of um and look we're, we're forever grateful and thanks again greg for taking time out to come on inside view podcast that is all from us on this week's podcast if you want to get in contact with the show please do uh, email us info on the ball teambuilding.com or if you can you can follow us on social media um it's probably the best way to get in contact with us with us um just you'll you'll see what what you know what what we're doing on a daily basis and um special offers we have and you know services we're offering as well you'll you'll find all that there through our social media platforms um on instagram you'll find us at on the ball at underscore on the ball team building over on facebook it's on the ball team building over on twitter it's at we are on the ball two that's a digit two we're on linkedin it's on the ball team building and we're also on uh tiktok it's on the ball team building have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week we have another exciting guest till then stay safe and remember cred on that fan talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening